And a good Monday afternoon to you. Welcome on in. It is lunch with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com. I am Joe Roderick, joined alongside by Mike Clayboard. Claves, how's everything down in Florida? Joe, everything is good. Uh, final week of spring training, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting everything done so we can get out of here. It's about time. It's about time. So are you coming? I mean, I would imagine it makes the most sense for you to drive to Cincinnati and then or how how are you getting home? How have you figured that out yet? I am driving straight from here all the way back to St. Louis. And I'm going to go see my good friend, Jamie Burkhardt at uh, Munganass Burkhardt Alton Toyota and uh, thank him for the great gift he was able to provide our transportation since we've been here in spring training. And I've said this every week, man. That Highlander is a very nice vehicle, man. And if you haven't been behind the wheel of one, it, it serves everything from a family vehicle to whatever you like doing. It's got every bell and whistle to it. But the bottom line is the, the good folks at Munganass know what they're doing and what they're presenting. And they're going to take good care of you. So go by and check them out. But uh, it has been a great experience for sure. So that's uh, well, we'll talk about that next week with games starting April 1st for the Cardinals in Cincinnati. We are powered by Ameren, Illinois, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and sponsored by Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. Find him online at the home loan expert.com. But uh, Claves, we, we finally, after uh, after a one year break from the NCAA tournament last year, we finally had games uh, again this weekend. I, I was thrown off. Uh, it wasn't until middle to late last week that I I realized that they were they weren't starting the tournament on Thursday they were actually starting the the first round on uh, on Friday so so that kind of threw me off last Tuesday and Wednesday I was looking for those play-in games on the schedule and then it uh then it all it all uh, worked its way out for me yeah I, I think you're you're not by yourself I think a lot of people were looking for the games on Thursday and uh and now we have games today I mean, I, I guess they've taken full advantage of people who work from home these days. But, you know, Joe, I know we've had some upsets like we do every year. But for some reason, it, this just doesn't move the needle. And maybe because all the local teams are out of it, I, I could care less. It's just not something I, that – and, and here's why. There, there's a lot of things. I mean, this has been such a disjointed season. Uh, for for obviously COVID reasons. And oh, by the way, while I'm on the subject of COVID, for all those people who thought SLU should have been in the tournament, I think now you know why I didn't think they were tournament worthy because when you get rolled in the first round, the NIT and you're number one seed that I predicted they could win and then they lay, on another, lay another egg, that ought to tell you what this season was really all about. They just weren't consistent, nor was Missouri. But with that all said, uh, I think, man, maybe we were just kind of fogged out because we didn't have games. There were too many games on TV. Uh, you didn't have good matchups. You didn't know who the players were because they all want to be one and done. I just never had a feel for the season. Now, with that said, they got to play games, and you know the networks are going to hype this up as the greatest collection of players ever and all those sort of things. But for me, Mike Fan didn't do much for me. Yeah, and that's I, I think the tournament has been losing a little bit each and every year with yeah. those one and dones. I think that's been a huge issue with the NCAA is that you go into it and you don't know who these star players are going to be, and you just don't follow it like you used to. And it doesn't help that Duke and Kentucky, you know, the Blue Bloods, yeah. aren't in the tournament this year. You already North Carolina lost the first round game when was the last time that that happened to Roy Williams and you just see so many 
differences to this year than what we've seen in previous years that I, I don't know, maybe, maybe we found other things to do in the past year. Or so I think that's it being off I, on that Friday. Yeah. Being off on that Friday yeah. and not having, you know, not taking those two days off work because you've been home for the past year, it loses something special to it, but still, it's still the tournament. If you're watching the games, you're going to fall in love with certain players and you're going to be locked into some of the storylines with it. But I don't think anything from this past weekend really hurt, or I don't think anything from this past weekend really mattered as far as the way the season went. But I do want to say I heard this because I was driving home most of the day yesterday and listening to the uh, to the games on the radio and flipping around. You, you mentioned the one and done. You mentioned how young the teams are. I know Wisconsin lost yesterday to Baylor in the second round, but one stat that I heard them mention and had to go look it up to see if it was true. Wisconsin's starting five was older than the Chicago Bulls' starting five. That, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. That, that's just crazy to think about that, you know, that the Wisconsin starting five is 22 and a half years old, where this Bulls' average starting five is 21 and a half years old. Just to have a team like that in the tournament was, was crazy. But let's start with Illinois. Let, let's start with that Illinois game. It was the first game yesterday. They were the first one seed to get knocked out. And they were a they were a finals uh, hopeful. They were the number two overall seed probably going into the tournament, and they fall to Loyola. Uh, and God, I, listening to the game, it was hard to listen to because it kept it seemed like the announcers kept waiting and waiting for Illinois to get into the game, and they couldn't get it going. And then texting with a few Illinois fans, uh, friends of mine yesterday that are Illinois fans. They said it was even uglier to watch on TV. Yeah, I, you know, Illinois has not been in a lot of jams this year. And I think the one jam I remember was when they played Missouri and they lost. They didn't seem like they were a comeback team. But w- when I look at the team, I, I really tip my cap to Loyola's game plan of taking certain things away from Illinois. And they didn't have a plan B. They didn't know how to adjust. Uh, I thought the biggest issue that Illinois had offensively they they dribbled too much. They wasted too much time. Nobody got in a real flow, and they never really ran their offense. And when they did, Loyola had an answer for it as far as positioning on the court. So when you have all that working against you and, and you're not used to this situation, remember, Illinois kind of, I won't say cruised through the Big Ten, but you know what? The, the good teams in the Big Ten found out how good Illinois was. So when you don't have a real game plan on how to counter what they're throwing at you it's hard to recover and they never did yeah and when your star player when AO only scores nine points in the game you just you even if you have multiple scores on your team which Illinois did when one of the top five players in the entire country doesn't get to double digits that's always going to be a problem in a tournament yep I agree with you and um I give Loyola credit, too, for this. They ran them up and down the floor pretty good, too. Uh, Illinois just seemed like they were gassed a couple of times, not just uh, Coleman, but uh, they had some other guys who just really were a step slow on defense, ended up reaching and getting reach fouls, things of that nature. Uh, Kudos to Loyola. Uh, Just a great job, and, and they executed. And, you know, you can be a coach, and you can walk through guys and walk through practices and talk about this and that. And maybe they execute the plays half the time. Another quarter is on skill alone. And the other quarter, they just don't. 
But in this situation, they were able to do all three things extremely well. So let, let's talk about the uh, the coaching for Loyola. Porter Mosier took the team to the Final Four a few years ago. The team uh, what went to the NIT the following season would have been in the tournament last year had it not been canceled, and now another Sweet 16 bid. I, I know that Marquette is interested in him. They have an opening. Indiana is also open as well. If you are the Indiana Hoosiers, you don't let Porter Mosier leave the state of Indiana. You, yeah. you, you let you him know, know that, hey, you have a hotel room here until you lose. We're not letting you out of here. We're going to give you a check. Here you go. Write a number down on it, and uh, we'll, 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 get, we'll move all your stuff for you. Yeah, but how many times has Indiana already done that? I mean, they've had some good coaches there since yeah. Bob Knight. Um, and, and who's to say that Porter Moser is motivated by a bigger check? Maybe he likes coaching in that environment. I mean, that's a league he can win in or compete in anytime he wants to. He's uh, in a good city. I'd yeah. Say, I, mean. I mean, I, you know, what? here's what's really amusing about this. You know, St. Louis U and their fans used to look down upon Loyola like they were the little sisters of the poor. And, you know, we used to be in the same conference with them many moons ago. And Loyola kind of stayed on the scrap heap, really didn't do much. And along comes Porter, and he's – like many other programs is taking Loyola well and beyond what, uh, what St. Louis U is. And sometimes coaches just like coaching and, and not having to get caught up in all the hype of being ex- expected to do this and do that and win right now and get us to a championship game. He's already done that. But who was the last, I mean, who was the last coach that you can think of that was happy with where they were and stayed there. I mean, for a while, it seemed like Shaka Smart was that guy in VCU and that he wasn't going to go anywhere. And he turned down a few jobs here and there. And then finally, Texas comes calling. And now now he's down there. Brad Stevens, what, would he go back-to-back Final Fours with Butler uh, there? And it, it took the NBA to come calling for him to to go. And now it seems like he's happy there, I mean, every single press conference, yeah, every media availability, him, every media availability that he has with the Celtics, he's getting asked by somebody about that Indiana job if he wants to go back there or not. So, but who? I mean, who was the last coach that went that was at a that was at a program that wasn't elite, that wasn't a top pro, uh, top program in a big conference that was happy and stayed there? Uh, the guy out of um, Creighton, McDermott. Well, I mean, he's <laughs> he's not going to be there much longer, is he? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I see your point. Uh, and I, I guess here's a question for you. What makes Indiana such a hot job? With all the other guys that have come through there, from Kelvin Sampson to Mike Davis to Tom Crean, I mean, they've had some pretty good coaches go through there. And they never really replaced the legend of Bob Knight. And, granted, Bob Knight's moved on and went to another program and – the whole nine yards, but I don't know why people think Indiana's such a great job. They don't get good players anymore. I mean, they, they've had they've had all the access, and I think the fact that you still have people who think this is 1981 or 87, uh, it's a new day. It's just like Notre Dame football. You know, Notre Dame has been irrelevant for like the last 30 years, but everybody keeps talking about how here they come. I think sometimes tradition – detracts from your future. And um, I think, you know, you, you talk about them being that legendary program and that, that is a, I mean, that's a good point because 
look at the numbers, look at the final fours and the national championships that Bobby Knight led them to there over the decades that he was the coach and what he built that into. And that's something that you could possibly say, you know, when whenever Mike Krzyzewski decides to leave Duke, is Duke a good program, basketball program, or is Mike Krzyzewski just a really, really good coach and recruiter to bring those guys in there? And I, I think you're going to see the exact same thing happen there when when he finally decides to to walk away from, from that. No, I, I think that's a good point. Um, man, that's going to be a tough decision on who takes that job over. I am not a believer that people who take over for a legend ever succeed. <clears throat> I can probably give you more guys who got replaced than guys who moved on and carried the program. I mean, yeah, when you're talking one year after, it's. I mean, if think you want to you go football and you could go football and basketball for that conversation and try yeah. to figure out who, I mean, who was the last person that went and because I mean Nick Saban right now has brought Alabama back, but how many people were between Bear Bryant and Nick Saban mm -hmm. before they finally got back on track? You're right. There at UCLA made it to what back to back final fours back in the uh what when Kevin Love was there. But how many people was it between was that I'm trying to think who that was? Was it Ben Howland? Was he the uh the, yeah, the UCLA coach then? But go back to when John Wooden <clears throat> left and Denny Crum. Uh they thought Denny Crum was gonna be the guy and he had to go elsewhere. Uh, you couldn't even tell me who the replacement for John Wooden was. I mean, no, I, that, I, that's there, why I, I didn't use. That's why I didn't yeah. say the name. I also didn't say the name of who replaced Bear Bryant because I couldn't tell you who it was. I know there was a Shula in there somewhere, but yeah, that was that was at well after. But you <laughs> right. know, but our point is a valid one with regard to replacing people. So, you know, I'm just not a believer that the Indiana job is what it's all made up to be. Because the people who talk about it in that regard still remember Bob Knight. They don't remember any of the other coaches who were there. And I think they've only been to one Final Four since Knight left, and that was Mike Davis with, Mike, with Bob Knight's players. Was that, I was going to say, was that 99 or 2000? When yeah, he, whenever uh, he got fired and Mike Davis took over. Yeah. And he took that team to the Final Four. Yeah, so it's, you know. And he got I, fired I, two years later. I know Minnesota already filled their head coaching job, or at least there's reports that they're about to fill their head coaching job as they fired Richard Pitino, um, who immediately who had a job within 24 hours of getting fired. <laughs> from Don't even get me started on this coaching thing, man. You know, uh, here, here's something. Here's here's something that really stands out. When we see a job opening, you ever notice how? An, uh, an African-American's name is never mentioned for a shoe-in for that job. We always go to somebody who either looks like them or is related. And you can't tell me Richard Patino was that good of a coach that he can get a job in 24 hours. And there's some guys out here who probably could coach circles around him that have to do everything but be head coaches. And, and that's a big problem that we have uh, in sports because it's always perception. We always, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Well, you shouldn't keep forgetting about these guys. There's some really good coaches out here that deserve an opportunity, but we always go with the one that's convenient and easy and recognizable, and, and that's a major problem that we have in sports, especially college sports. Yeah, it, uh, it, it was the it's the head coach of Utah State that's going to Minnesota, and Richard Pitino went where? New Mexico? Is that where he uh, ended up? I think it was. I think he went down to New Mexico and took the. Uh, took well, Steve Alford job was there. Out there. Wasn't Steve Alford in New Mexico for a while? Yeah. Was he at, was he at New Mexico? Yeah, he was out there. 
I don't remember that. I don't know. I can't. If you 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 might be right. So you have those uh, you have those openings there um, in the tournament. Mizzou, by the way, we haven't mentioned them yet. They lose in the first round to Oklahoma as uh, they tried to claw their way back in, but it just the offense was such a struggle for them. They when are, they needed they the are, point, man. yeah. When they needed the points, they couldn't get the points. They 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 just could not figure out how to get a a well flowing offense in that game. It, well, it, nothing changed from what we saw during the season. Uh, they are who they are. Uh, they were very up and down. They didn't have a true go-to guy. And they're, they're, all their options were B and C options. And, you know, they'd never had a real flow. They couldn't. They were not a team that can climb back in the game because they weren't good enough defensively to force turnovers. They didn't have a consistent hot three shooter or a post player that could draw a foul whenever they wanted to. And that's why it was hard for them to score. I uh, This is probably the first year since – I don't know. Maybe I was in third grade, fourth grade that I did not fill out a bracket, one single bracket. I didn't, I, did, I didn't even go on ESPN and just click, you know, whatever the top seeds. I didn't even do that this year. Either. Just purely just sat and enjoyed it. But so I am going to uh, sit here and bang the drum for the Summit League for the uh, rest of the tournament and be a fan of Oral Roberts as uh, they I'm became the, for the Valley. I root for the Valley. You going with Loyola and yeah. uh, and that. So with the Big Ten, I, they have an opportunity today. As of right now, there's only one Big Ten team in the uh, in the Sweet 16. Or actually, no, I'm sorry, Rutgers lost last night. So no Big Ten teams right now are uh, are Wait in the Sweet 16. What about Michigan? Michigan plays today. Michigan uh, okay. Michigan's playing today. Iowa is playing today, and Maryland is playing today. So. Uh, so far, all the other Big Ten schools either lost in the first or the second round, which brings me to Ohio State losing in the uh, in the first round, and not so much. I, I don't care that they lost. I don't. I don't care about any of uh, any of that. The story from that uh, comes from the Belleville West product uh, product EJ Liddell, who went to Twitter the other night after he lost the game to post some screenshots that he got from. Uh, Instagram, I, I, it looks like, where I guess upset Ohio State fans went to his Instagram account and sent him messages telling him basically that he should be embarrassed, um, that he's an effing disgrace, that he should never show his face at Ohio State again. I hope you die. I really do. Um, just all sorts of the just terrible, terrible things written to the sophomore from Ohio State. He posted the screenshots of them and just a lot of outpouring support from former players and current players from all different sports. Well, this is something that's gone on for black athletes ever, as long as I've been alive and before that. Um, if you want to rip a guy for being a bad player or making a bad play, that's fine. But when you bring race into it and color and some of the derogatory terms that we use, then that yeah. that's where the problem lies. And the unfortunate thing is people just say, oh, I'm just so sorry. That's really unfortunate. But nobody ever does anything about it. So if I'm EJ Liddell, <clears throat> today I'm probably packing up my stuff and I'm going to find me a historically black college to go to. And I'm going to go there. I'm going to play. The NBA is going to follow him. 
And you're going to find more and more players that would probably take that route. The NBA is going to find you. If you're a pro, they know who you are. Whether you're playing at, at Tennessee State or the University of Tennessee, they're going to know who you are. So that that's not the issue. I think he's got to go somewhere where that doesn't come into play. Now, he may be a bum at, at Fisk University or Tennessee State or whatever, but he's not going to be all the other things that come with the the, the remarks that were made to him uh, that had nothing to do with his basketball skill. And, and I really hope that people start doing that. I, I, I think Deion Sanders has gotten off to a good start at Jackson State. He lost on Saturday. But if he can build credibility and get kids to understand that, you know what, these places are competitive and they, they will be more fair than what you're accustomed to, it only takes one or two of these kids to go there. And once they see that it's okay, who knows where it goes from here. And I really hope it does. Um, it's not that I'm upset with Ohio State <clears throat> because they have an athletic um, athletic director who is African-American also. So it, it's not that somebody doesn't care. But I think in order to send a message, something's got to change. And, and right now, social media is the greatest detriment to our society of anything we've done in the last 50 years, period. I um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this and think of how to phrase this when it comes to losing a game. I you know, you're going to have people upset about losing money and the outcome of the game. And they say things like that. The one thing on social media that I never, ever have understood is when these kids out of high school are being recruited by schools and they pick one school over another yeah. and the fans from the school that didn't get picked. That's that's the social media hatred that I will never understand because these are 17 year old kids that you probably didn't know and never have seen play any, any seconds of high school football or basketball and to get on social media and attack them for a choice that they made for their own future is, is just something I will never understand. It's, I mean, this is just as wrong and it just is disgusting to go and do for a, for a player, but just social media and college sports, it is, it, it, it never has made sense to me. You know, Joe, the other thing, you know, since the pandemic, I think it's gotten worse. I, I think the, the way things are covered media wise. And, you know, we had a person who really kind of stoked that fire quite a bit that I think people think it's in vogue and it's okay to be as insulting as you humanly can be. And there's no repercussion. There, there's no, no way that a person can be dealt with. I mean, it's easy to push the send button when not, when you're not found out. I think what they ought to do is have a better method of exposing who these individuals are and then uh, deal with them accordingly. And that's the thing. They can hide so easily behind a, a fake name, a fake picture, whatever you want to. And nobody would ever will ever know who these people are. And then they just delete account and, and make a new account and, and do the same thing. So it's one of those where the, the a lot of these times these people can't be traced. Yep. So. Hey, we are. Uh, this is Lunch with Claves and Joe, uh, brought to you by Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert. Find him online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Also driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and powered by Ameren, Illinois. Get your free thermostat today by going to AmerenIllinoisSmartSavers.com or give them a call at 866-251-2531. This is to uh, help your community save energy in the Ameren, Illinois area. They're providing thousands of smart thermostats to customers and select zip codes 
Go to that website, AmarinIllinoisSmartSavers.com to see if your home qualifies. And also, uh, you can receive a $25 e-gift card for installing and activating it yourself to help lower your heating and cooling costs, adapt to your schedule and preferences, and also just control everything from your home and track your energy use over time. Start saving today at AmarinIllinoisSmartSavers.com today. Uh, Claves, as you mentioned, one week left in spring training. Uh, more and more roster cuts being made as, as we get closer to that 26 number and then also find out who's going to be over in Sauge to start the season uh, practicing at the Gateway Grizzlies field. Uh, just off the top of my head, I saw the I saw the roster cuts the other day. Are Matthew Libertor and Nolan Gorman still with the big league club as of yes. right now? Yes, I, I know. Okay, I know that neither one is going to make opening day twenty six man roster. But does it say anything to you that they've still stuck around this long as other guys have have been uh, have been sent down? No, they just want to make sure they get uh, stay in that big league environment and understand what it takes. Uh, neither one of these guys is ready to pitch or, or play this year, but they, they, you have to remember, they didn't play at all last year. So they're, they're just trying to make sure they keep them in a certain environment and they'll give them some at bats and maybe one more outing pitching wise. Uh, but you know, they got a long way to go. I mean, they, they I think the, the most important thing here is where are they going to be classified? Are they going to be double A? They're going to be single A? Are they going to be triple A? I mean, we don't know. And until that's determined, uh, well, that'll kind of gauge on what they think their growth expectation is going to be. So we we know that they started off with, you know, however many players were there in Jupiter when you first got there and how many were running around. It was definitely not enough to fill a triple A team, a double A team, a single A team worth of uh, players. How are they handling the minor league camp this year? Are you seeing those guys running around somewhere? Are they holding no, it at a different they, site? They how is that working out? They haven't even invited those guys yet. They won't. They won't start for at least a month after we're gone. Okay. So uh, they'll have they'll have their setup. Uh, the guys who are here will go to the alternate camp and, and just stay ready until they resume a, another camp of uh, the spring training. So the 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 minor league season probably won't start until maybe early or mid mid May early June. So um, you know it's it's we're learning as we go. Uh, this isn't an exact science, but it, it's going to take some time to get everything worked out, along with making sure you evaluate players effectively because of the fact they've been laid off for over a year. Yeah, and I, I would imagine a guys like Libertor or Gorman will end up in Sauge to start the season before they yeah. figure out if they want to place them in AA or AAA once actual games start to get uh, start to get played. One of the intriguing roster spots right now, uh, as we as we head into that final week is John Nagowski, the backup first baseman, I guess, if you want to call him. I don't know how much I don't know how much uh experience he has in the outfield, but the way that None. he keeps hitting the way he keeps hitting in, uh, in spring training, he better grab a glove and go out there with Willie McGee and start shagging balls. Well, here's my question. Whose job is he going to take? I, I, Bader's I'm going to ask if that he, question if he, again. If he's hitting, if he's hitting and Bader comes in and doesn't hit, and Mike Schilt already said today that expect to see a lot more Carlson in center field, you're telling, hey, I'm, I'm of the belief that if you can swing the bat, they'll find a place for you on the field. So he's had a good spring. 
I'm going to tell you a guy who I remember having a great spring. His guy's name was Jim Lindemann. And the Cardinals thought so much of that spring that they traded Mike Lavalier, Andy Van Slyke, and somebody else for Tony Pena to make sure Jim Lindemann had a job. Jim Lindemann, I think, hit a career a little over 200 in his career. Now, he had a back injury to slow him down, but he was never the same guy. So I always caution people, just because a guy has a week of hits doesn't mean he's ready for the big leagues. And remember, this guy's no spring chicken. He's been a kind of a career minor leaguer. So I'm not sure if that's enough for me to start shuttling Bader, Thomas, okay, and whomever. And I'm I'm not saying that he needs to be that he needs to take Paul Goldschmidt's job and, and play first base and bat second. What so, I'm but, saying is but where are you going to hit him though? I mean, that's okay, what I'm so saying. What, I'm saying is you if he's if he's hitting and he's showing that he's hitting, if he has a hot bat at the end of March and you think that's going to carry into April, why not get try to get him as many at bats in April until he cools off and find a place for him to play? You don't have where, the DH, so you have to get him at bats. I'm just, and I'm also saying too him? that he's got to at least make that 26 man roster, right? Not a chance in hell. You don't think he's on the 26? No, no. And, and here's why: A, where are you going to play him? B, he plays a position that he only plays one position behind a guy who plays every day. Mm-hmm. C, you're going to give him a glove and just say have at it out in the outfield when you've never taken a ball out there. This is a big leagues. You can't learn on the job in a situation like that. It's not that easy. And three, uh, who's to say he's just fattening up on fastballs? Do you ever wonder why it's taking him so long to get to the big leagues or at least get this sort of exposure? Maybe it's the fact that he may not be able to hit a breaking ball. Maybe it's the fact that the, the off-speed stuff really affects him. Uh, th- there's, a lot of, there's a lot of flags, some of them red, on why he won't be part of this team come – uh, April 1st. Now, that doesn't mean he's not worthy of another look, but there just isn't enough opportunity. I mean, you're going to say, well, he can come off the bench. Well, you know, a lot of guys think they can come off the bench. That's why pinch hitters are so valuable because most of them can't. Most Matt, of them can't do it. Matt Carpenter, by the way, is hitting 040 in the uh, in spring training. I, th- uh, I think you- it's lower than that now because uh, the Cardinals are already underway and he was a leadoff man and Dylan Carlson hit a solo home run. <laughs> so it's lower than that now. <laughs> so, yeah, so through 20, uh, yeah, what I'm looking at right now is through 25 at-bats. Well, he's hit 26. Okay, so, yeah, what is an 040? I mean, does that come to one hit, two hits? Is that? No, he's at one hit. One hit. And, but yeah. he'll make the 26-man roster. Well, there's 18 million reasons on why he's going to make that mm-hmm. roster. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's hey. an unfortunate situation, but I mean, uh, you, you don't run across it very often. But when you do, man, it, it is something that permeates throughout your organization for some time. Let me find out what uh, what Carpenter did here. If you give me a second. So as you if you mentioned Carlson hit the uh hit a home run there in the uh game, which by the way, Carlson was batting uh six sec oh six. Yeah. So the Cardinals they, so, have two hits. So let's find out who the two hits come from. Yeah, they went today. Their starting lineup today was Carpenter, Goldschmidt, Arenado, DeYoung Molina, Carpenter's, Carl- Carpenter's hitting a uh he's hitting 038. Okay, so he he he, he struck he, out. He, he struck out. What do you what do you do with that? It's not well, you, so I know you said 18 million, but so I mean it's basically you're everybody else in Major League Baseball is playing with a 26 man roster, and you you got 25 in a scholarship. I don't know what you do. 
Um, I don't know what I you mean. Do. You got to find a team where you say, "Hey, maybe a change of scenery will do him good." But who wants him? Who's taking that contract? You're already eating part. Pay, of, part, I mean, pay part twelve of million contract. of it. Pay twelve. Pay pay fifteen million of it. Just so, to, I mean, that's a liability on your roster well, to just have him like there. You, but you know, but here's the other thing you got to take into account. You don't have another left-handed bat in the organization that's ready to contribute on a regular basis. Okay. Well, the next one is Justin Williams, and you don't yeah. think? I mean, he's he's well, probably he's starting off in Sajay too. Well, yeah, no, we don't we don't know because they haven't disclosed whether he's got our options or not. So even if you if you have to take him, uh, he's another outfielder, and you have enough of them as it is. And here's a guy that also is playing well that nobody's talking about is Austin Dean. You know, Austin Dean has scored every time he's been on base, with the exception of once in the entire spring. He's hitting over three hundred. Uh, he's been solid in the outfield. He has been great. I mean, he had a couple of balls that ate him up early in the year when the wind was really blowing. But, you know, he's a guy that probably deserves more attention than anybody else. So in Carpenter's case, you are how much did you eat of Dexter Fowler's contract? I was just saying, I thought they – I mean, they ate most of that, I thought. Let's, let's just say $10 million, Yeah. Okay. So now you're going to eat another $18 million. So now you had $30 million darn near in dead money in, a, in an era of a pandemic. Now you can say, well, it's not, you know, it is what it is. You know, we're going to eat it anyway, whether we, we're going to pay him to either be here or not. And if you had a really good player that was just busting at the seams that can help you immediately, I'd make the deal. But you don't. You don't have anybody else. You're kind of in limbo. So that's why they may just ride it out until they run across something. And if they do, then that's that's a game changer. But right now they don't have it. Yeah, it's I mean, it'll be it'll be tough to uh try to sell that to the fans when you when you put that roster out there and it'll be even tougher when he starts one of those games in the first week of the season. Who said he was gonna start and why? It, that's I'm I'm just saying out loud that it'll be tough when when they put out a lineup that first week of the season and his name's well, in that starting lineup. And they I, they I try to throw it out guy. there as if he's we're we're just getting him at bats and seeing if we can make something work. Fans aren't going to buy that. I don't know if they have a choice at this point. And I think and you make a point where if he plays, it's going to be on the road. Oh yeah, and you might see him play Sunday in in Cincinnati or maybe down in Miami on a getaway day. Um, it is what it is, and I, I just don't see where there's an easy out here. Yeah, put him put him in Miami and let him play in front of two thousand. And down there, which, by the way, I've noticed that there's a few, you know, I think what the, the Rangers are going to have 100 percent capacity at their stadium for opening day, which, you know, they're they're trying to make the money back from not having a single fan there last year before the uh, before the postseason. I get it. I, I think it's funny that Florida's wide open right now. I mean, you're seeing pictures from the beach and everything. I'm very surprised that you have. Well, I shouldn't say surprised, but I'm sure the Marlins or the Rays could easily come out and say, we're going to have 100% of the fan or 100% capacity, but they probably don't want to say that because they're still not going to sell 100% of the tickets. You're right. I think that has <laughs> a lot to do with it. Uh, say, say we're going to be at 25% and then you can you can sit there and you can tout yeah. that we sold out opening day. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that's a good point you make. <laughs> what is, I mean, what's it been like down there when you're driving around and you see, I mean, you see people like, what are, what has it been like going going Not out like, for dinner or things? Uh, just anything. You know what? Most people in this neck of the woods are a lot safer 
about that uh, than what you saw in Miami. I mean, I, I eat outdoors a lot when I do go out, and everybody's wearing a mask. Uh, you have to remember, this is a little bit of an older crowd. Yeah. And uh, they're a little bit more conscious of what's going on. Now, with that said, you know, virtually anybody can get a shot here. I mean, it's it's comical compared to the state of Missouri, uh, which has just been derelict in their duty to make sure people get vaccinated. Uh, but the, the shots are fairly ready, readily available here. Uh, but people are still taking caution uh, for different reasons. But the thing in Miami this weekend, I have a relative there. And he 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 lives right there downtown in a high rise. And he just said he, he said he thought it was the insurrection taking over again. He thought actually that they were storming the Capitol again, the way people were running around like a bunch of blithering idiots. So uh, Miami right now is kind of an off limit city for people like me. Uh, but, you know, it's it's something that, you know, we will have to figure out at some point on what they're going to do. It's it's going to be interesting to hear from you as you uh, start going back because you guys are going back on the road. I mean, you're going to Cincinnati. Are you going to Miami? Uh, I'm, for that? I'm going. I'm going back to St. Louis, Missouri. So you're it's, you're not going to be on the road for the no, uh, for the first not, two series. No, we we don't anticipate going on the road. Hopefully after the All Star break. Real okay. I didn't. I, I don't think. I, I'm not sure if you've mentioned that to me or, or not. No, I didn't know that. No, uh, I, um, <clears throat> I think there are just too many logistical issues that come into play if you haven't had the shot, and we don't have enough people on the team that have had the shot. So I think by the All Star break, that should be resolved, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll be traveling in the second half. We haven't heard stories of teams getting mass vaccinated yet, which and surprises which surprises me because so many teams and these organizations went out of their own pocket to do the mass testing. That I, with, with as you mentioned, you know, shots being so many available now, and the way that the you know that more and more are becoming available, I'm surprised that teams haven't stepped up to to do that. I was a little surprised and maybe they didn't get it done in the state of Florida, but you had to be a resident. Um, and with each state doing it differently, I don't think baseball wants to give anybody the impression that they're jumping the line with its players. I think that has more to do with it than anything else. And with the, with more becoming available, I would imagine that'll be something that happens yeah. by May for sure. Yeah, I agree. I, th I think we're getting closer to that. Uh, but until we have everybody done, I don't think you're going to see them try and jump the line. Yeah, which and then and then too, how do you go about? I, I guess you know, you're not giving it to everybody on the same day. You don't, you don't no. want to have half your team no. uh, affected from uh, many side effects after that second shot. That'd be that that'd be that'd be one inter, uh, one entertaining uh, injury report. I, I think having to call players over from Sauge just for a day or two while you guys can get them out. If you can get them out of the club over there, yeah. We see now. I've I've gone two weeks now without having bringing any of that up and not not bringing up well, any of those temptations or anything. Which I mean, if you but think that just be, because they're what? practicing there, they it's gonna it's gonna to be any there. different than when they're playing in St. No. Louis and going there after a game. They wouldn't be allowed to go there. They tell them you can't go because uh, they want you to do. If you're going to go out to eat and drink and all that, they would prefer you being outdoors. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 an edict from the NBA that I think Major League Baseball will probably adopt at some point here in the very near future. Hey, you mentioned uh, Munganass that you, they gave you that uh, Highlander to drive down there, and you'll be driving that back. Munganass Alton Toyota is uh, where that Highlander came from. Munganass St. Louis Acura, also another sponsor here of Lunch with Klaibs and Joe. And 
at uh, one of those Mondays in April when we are when we're back together. We will be there broadcasting, and then we'll also uh, make sure to hit up uh, Jamie's place over at Munganass Alton Toyota in Alton, Illinois, as well. Uh, two great sponsors here of everything that we do on ClavesOnline.com. The uh, the Blues back in action. But the injuries are starting to pile up again. They, as soon as they start to get everybody healthy, they get Tarasenko back into the mix. And now you're seeing a few guys falling here and there. Uh, Oscar Sundquist out for the uh, out for the season now with uh, the torn ACL and uh, a few other injuries uh, also on the team. Well, it's just been that kind of a season. Um, I commend Craig Berube and being able to get a team out on the ice that mostly competes. They still have some competition issues. And focus issues, but overall, it's it's something that you know every team deals with. I mean, when you decide you're going to have a condensed schedule, and I haven't seen the the total injury report, but I got to think injuries are up in the National Hockey League just like they are in the NBA. And when you have a condensed schedule and guys aren't used to doing things a certain way, these things are going to happen. And this is where you better have depth. You better have an organization that's got some good players in your minor league system. And so far, the Blues, I think for the most part, these kids have done a decent job. Uh, the best players haven't played better, I think, is one of the issues I would have a concern with. They lost. The, they've won their last two. They, they they took care of business against San Jose. Okay, over you, just, the you did mention San Jose, right? Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure everybody knows that it wasn't like they beat uh, the New Jersey, I mean the uh, Las Vegas Knights or anybody. That's who they have coming up uh, today. Tonight, uh, yeah. Tonight, yeah. They they have the the Knights and then a game against Minnesota and then three against Anaheim. So they they win a few straight. They win what three or four straight. Then they lose five straight. Right now, they're sitting fourth place in the Honda West. But isn't that the mark of a 500 team? You pick the sport. You're going to have highs. You're going to have lows. You're going to have a little high. You have a little low. And what it does, it breeds frustration uh, for fans and players and organization that you can't find the real consistency that you need. Those three games at the end of the month against Anaheim are going to be that that's one where you look at and you say, you know, that's not one where you go, okay, I'd be happy with five points out of that. You need all six points. Yeah, no, and you know what? And at some point, you're going to have to start winning situations like that where, you know, oh, if we can get, you know, four out of six points, you know, this would be no, you you need them all. You know, you're, you're almost at that point of back to the wall environment. You know, you're already in playoff mode where you feel like, all right, we got to go out, just play our game and, and, and do things the way we know needs to be done if we want to continue to play another day. Yeah. Outside of that, anything uh, coming up on your end uh, this week? I'm just trying to get through this week. Now that I don't have basketball to worry about, uh, college basketball. Uh, by the way, congratulations to all of our St. Louis teams who won over the weekend uh, in high school, Incarnate Word, Fashan, men and women. Um, a, an incredible time. And I was talking to Frank Cusimano earlier today. The two best coaches in the state are Dan Rolfes, who's won 11 championships now, I believe, 11 or 12, and Tony Irons, who's well on his way. I think this is number four for Tony of Vashon. I think he's won five overall or maybe six, and he's not even 40 years old. So um, congratulations to what those people have meant to so many young people in our community. They, uh, yeah, football um, underway on the Illinois side now that basketball's over with. As they, I saw Eastside got somebody's attention over the weekend. What happened with, I didn't see that. I didn't see what happened with that. I think they beat somebody 69 to two. Really? Yeah. 
I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Doesn't I mean it doesn't surprise me? Yeah, but you're right. It you know what? It, it kind of does just because I'm surprised a few of those kids that are Division One kids didn't go find another school in another state somewhere and play back in the fall. You know, I, I'm not sure what you know if if it delays you it going to a school or university, so you don't go in the first or the second semester. I don't know if if you think you can enhance your stock more. Uh, then maybe you stay. Um, but if you like, if like, here's the one I don't get. Uh, Luther Burden, number one receiver in the country, and he decided to opt out of Cardinal Ritter and play at Eastside. If you're number one receiver in the country, what does that mean? If by still going to Eastside, well, you think the the Rams are going to draft you now? So, I, so I didn't understand that. You know, your your hay is in the barn. Less is better here. Mm. So, but he didn't do it that way. And, you know, I wish him the best. I hope it works out for him. All right. We should have some exciting announcements coming up uh, on the website too. Uh, coming up, actually, we we did have one on Friday as I had Keith Costas on Weekend Joe. Did a uh, talk a little baseball with him. And then you will be taking over with uh, with Keith, Keith Costas. Are you guys going to be recording next week, the, uh, the first episode? Yeah, we'll do something next week. Um, kind of talk about what he's hearing and what he's seeing. And for those who are familiar with Keith, he's with the MLB network and he's on in the morning with Lauren Shihadi, who is, uh, I think one of the best, um, hosts there is certainly one of the best looking hosts there is. And, uh, uh, D Rose on that show as well. So Keith is part of it. So we're going to have him contributing on a regular basis. Uh, of course, everybody knows Dr. Rick Lehman is going to be joining us on a regular basis. And he's got a great book out that everybody who's a parent or a coach should probably get a read to. So you ought to check that out. And, uh, we'll find some other interesting things to get into as, uh, our sports, are being narrowed in one sense with college basketball, but expanded with baseball. So we'll see how things unfold. And then we've got the NBA trade deadline is coming up. And I'm going to uh, talk to Rob Fisher on Camel X later this week about the NBA trade deadline and where things are going to be headed in that sport, especially with LeBron and AD now down. Uh, everybody now thinks the Lakers might be ripe to get knocked off. Well, I'm, let me remind you of something. LeBron and AD will be back. They will be back healthier. They will be back rested. And that could be a problem for some other teams. Now, the Lakers might want to go out and find just a little bit more bench help before they go into postseason. If they do that, uh, it should be a great NBA playoff for them and certainly the New Jersey Nets on the other side. The uh, I saw Blake Griffin dunk the ball for the first time since 2019. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> I don't know what he brings them. I mean, I think they were just throwing names on the wall. He, he's he's half the guy he used to be, and and the injuries have had a lot to do. If with If he it, can't but. jump, if he can't jump the dunk, he he brings nothing to the table. Yeah, because he never developed an outside shot. No. He doesn't have a great post move. So we'll see. We'll oh, see. He is he is Mike Claiborne. I'm Joe Roderick. This has been lunch with Claibs and Joe, powered by Amron, Illinois, driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura, Munganas Alton Toyota, and sponsored by Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Experts. Find him online at the Home Loan Experts. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody.